Ring, ring with Renny Revis. Hello and welcome to the show. We've got someone very special with us today. Someone you may or may not know. But don't worry, we'll explain all the inside jokes. Just sit back and enjoy the voyeurism, folks. It's Ring, Ring with Renny Hey friends, sorry I sound shittier than usual. I have the regular flu during a pandemic. Highly recommended if you're looking for the thrill of sending a what are we text with more serious potential consequences. Two negative coronavirus tests, so I'm likely okay. Making myself sick thinking about having COVID. My insurance doesn't cover any of the jaw procedures I need, so I'm certainly not counting on coverage for Munchausen syndrome. <coughs> <coughs> Today's guest is the lovely inside and out Augusta Avalone. In her own words, she's an artist, burlesque dancer, costume designer, dressmaker, entertainer, and filmmaker. She's the petite Barnum of burlesque and has costumed many actors such as the young girl in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the stenographer with nipple pasties in David Fincher's Mank. Her and her husband David are the best dressed in my friend group at any given time. Augusta's class transcends simply looking great or confirming a restaurant Caesar salad was made with anchovies. She always sends a card. She's committed to doing what's right. She calls out bigotry and calls up reps via phone banking, pieces of flair, and literally writing the Senate office switchboard number under her tits. She made masks and shipped them to healthcare workers, with a few extra for friends made with love. I don't say this lightly. Augusta is one of my favorite nasty women. What's the Here's some info that'll help eavesdroppers better understand our conversation. Augusta is also a skilled graphic designer and director. To make footage look vintage for her documentary The Velvet Hammer Burlesque, she had 16mm film run through clean, moistened kitty litter and had it transferred to video after it dried without cleaning it. She can make you look really good or appropriately bad. A wardrobe fitting for a film or TV production is intimate and entails assembling multiple options for a single look. Costumers might have to pin fabric while the actor is wearing it to note alterations necessary to accommodate unflattering fits or us lying about our sizes. Coney Island whitefish is slang for discarded used condoms found on the beach or elsewhere. Now, are you supposed to cut those up like plastic six-pack rings so seagulls don't get their heads stuck in them? Don't drown birds. Cut it up if your pullout game's weak. The quote, clocks, stocks, bagels, and locks, first floor everybody off, is from Bugs Bunny. I couldn't find a clip, but did discover why I like heels on big feet. Bugs seducing Elmer Fudd in those open-toed T-straps? To give you an idea of how important the lead actors are considered to be in film and TV, human or otherwise, allow me to ruin your day with this story. I was on the set for a kid's show in which the main character is a dog. Since I wasn't alive enough for Lassie, you can easily narrow the options down. Anyway, I couldn't lift my jaw from the floor when I saw the dog's stand-in. The stand-in for a dog was a very short woman. Before I could put the words this, can't, be, and happening all together, I noticed a large tag around her neck labeled with the dog's name. Not a sticker, not a shirt. A cardstock tag you'd perhaps use to write dry clean only on for a storage bin. Threaded with what looked like yarn. It's true. 
I know. It's easier to believe Clara, Beau, Rod Stewart, and George Michael all had their stomachs pumped after ingesting too much Coney Island whitefish. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are your elbows? Are they dry? They're not because mm-hmm. my coworker gave me the most amazing homemade salt sugar scrub. So, oh. hey, that's an upgrade to Palm Olive. No offense to their great product. <laughs> oh, shit. I think I'm using. No, I am using Palm Olive. Never mind. I thought I was using Dawn. Who likes Dawn? No one. Dawn is so bad. They have rejected advertising what the product is supposed to be used for and just shows us those spots with oil-ridden ducks getting cleaned (laughs) after a disaster. Right. (laughs) Like, in dire straits, use Dawn. (laughs) When you have greasy ducks, you want Dawn. (laughs) You know what's funny is I actually use dish detergent to wash out all my burlesque underbits. Yeah. Someone said to me recently, well, I use Woolite. And I'm like, Woolite's a terrible product. <laughs> Woolite's terrible for your clothes. And they said, really? I thought it was supposed to be good for your clothes. And yeah. I was like, who told you that? Was it Woolite? Was it Woolite? <laughs> fabric softener breaks the fibers in your fabric to make them soft. <laughs> So they're literally destroying your clothes. Okay. The meat tenderizer is best for meat and not my bras. I've never used Woolite, but I remember somebody using Woolite for black clothing to make it blacker. And I thought that was a goth necessity that I needed at some point. Well, I have to say, people in this country are a little too clean. You're actually (laughs) not meant to wash your clothes all the time. (laughs) You know, obviously, if they're sweaty and gross, yes. But if you've just had it on your body, Mm -hmm. you didn't spill, I don't know, spaghetti sauce and beer on it. You don't actually need to wash it again. You can wear it more than once. Yeah. Same with your bras. You're not supposed to really wash your bra every time you wear it. It's only going back on your own body. Right. Like, Maybe I'm just a dirty hillbilly. No. I think when you get boob sweat, you're probably wearing a sports bra anyway. Not your best goodies. Right. <laughs> you have really good outerwear advice for goths. <laughs> you got the black trench coat. Just let it hang in the closet until the one day it's cold again. Yeah. I always said someone should make a goth summer line of clothing. Oh. Made out of like really nice Egyptian cotton, but still all black. Ooh. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I'll do it someday. Maybe I won't. Please do. We need a beach goth collection. I want a fishnet tan. <laughs> when I come home, I want crosshatched legs. If you've ever done a knee drop into a tassel twirl or done roller derby. I have not. <laughs> you get the fishnet crosshatch burn on your knees. Ow. Yeah. Who said showgirls are glamorous? That's way more hardcore than a tan line. You win. <laughs> I do love a good tan line, though. There's something <laughs> filthy about them. Yeah. Because ultimately, if you can see someone's tan line, you're looking at them naked. Yes. It is grotesque, salacious. <laughs> What's the word I'm thinking of? Titillating? It is titillating. Titillating for sure. You probably have... <laughs> have a spread list of burlesque adjectives. Oh, yeah, for sure. Thesaurus.com is my BFF. (laughs) And also, because I've designed my own graphics and my own flyers for my show, Mm -hmm. the ability to find the font that represents the dance technique of a performer Mm. is a skill I cannot use anyplace else in the world. (laughs) Wow. You know, you're like, that dancer is kind of classic mm-hmm. she's beautiful and lyrical i need to find the font that matches that and that burlesque dancer she's kind of dirty and 80s new york i gotta find the right font 
So at least my audience has a vague idea of what they're walking into. And if you have but... a really hot mess, you can use wing beans. <laughs> and then there's the papyrus bitch. Oh, like, I hate that one. Like basic. So <laughs> oh, God, it's the worst. <laughs> I'm one of those people who, when I'm procrastinating, I download fonts. Nice. I need more fonts. I use the same six fonts every time. And now I need to have the option of a thousand different fonts. <laughs> yes, well, you're so, an artist. You need more materials to work with. Fonts are your materials sometimes. They are, but I swear it's like the same. I think it's Bernardi, Baboose, <laughs> Mr. Television for sure. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm just defaulting to the same. Same. Simple type for any real text. Impact is another one I use all the time. Yes, I love impact. Impact's good. It's bold without being simple. Yeah. Font queen. I would love to see you compensated for this work and given the opportunity to assign fonts to untitillating people, like boring <laughs> people, you figure it out. Oh, yeah. Well, no one's boring. Everyone has like their one thing that they're really good at, True. obsessed with. So that's the little fish that swims through the channel to the mm. right font. Like, follow that little fish. <laughs> Augusta knows the way to the blood worms in the distance. For sure. We will find that gnat floating on the surface. <laughs> and that gnat will be your font. <laughs> I also used to pick rhinestone colors for my burlesque friends. Aww. Like, I remember when I first met Eddie Van Glam, I'm like, your rhinestone color is black diamond AB. Ooh. And he was like, what? And I'm like, that's your color. He's like, now I got to use that color. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the matchmaker dream. You're not stuck with somebody, but you fully realize yourself with the existence <laughs> of a wise, artistic matchmaker. I mean, I didn't get this stupid film slash art degree for nothing. <laughs> Got to be able to use it somewhere. <laughs> I remember once mm -hmm. I was designing some indie film and I was talking to the director. Of, I like to work in color schemes like this character wears this shade but as the character changes they morph into these tones love it you know it's visual storytelling like bad guys wear this good guys wear that oh yeah as one changes from one to the other they take on the other's colors subconscious is important when you're watching a movie because your focus is on one thing but being influenced by something else subconsciously is so much part of the story right for sure and i was telling this director all of this stuff and in the back of my head i'm like how the hell did i learn any of this <laughs> part of me was like Wait, is that my imposter syndrome voice talking? You shut up, imposter syndrome voice. Ugh. What font is the imposter syndrome voice? Ransom. Ransom note. Because <laughs> it holds you hostage. <laughs> it really does. I have to say, since I've become a full-time seamstress, I battle with my imposter syndrome only because I'm working with people who have been sewing 20 years yeah. and I've only been sewing professionally for like five or six. Mm -hmm. So obviously they're going to know more than me and that's fine, but I struggle with that. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's fine. I'm finally getting a foothold on what I'm really good at. You know what I mean? It was like mm -hmm. not knowing where my talents really lie. But then I yeah. talked to these women who have been sewing their whole lives. And they feel like they have imposter syndrome. And I'm like, oh, my God, is this just part of being a seamstress? Uh, I think it's part of being a female human. <laughs> True that. Good God. I worked with this one dude. He's a personal dresser. And I'm just like, I don't understand how you can run through life so confident and yet be so clueless and lazy. Ah. Like, what are you taking? <laughs> you just run head first and don't look. They always seem to get more ahead of us if they just go fast. Well, he's under protection of the lead actor, mm -hmm. so he can do whatever he wants because no one can fire him. Yes. When you're running on a racetrack with, what's the thing at the airport? The people mover? 
Yeah, some of those guys have a people mover on their racetrack. For sure. It's that thing where some people would have those protections and still try and do a good job and realize, mm-hmm. like, well, I may not always work for this actor. This actor may not always be the lead in a TV show. Like, I need to also be a team player. Mm-hmm. Customer, nope, not this guy. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm protected for the rest of my life. Yeah, if he well, works for the rest of your life. <laughs> the minute you hit a different set and people realize how lazy and unproductive you are, oh, no. holy shit. <laughs> oh, no, my privilege bubble. <laughs> yeah, I'm suffocating. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're working. I know that you had a really unpleasant experience being on a set that made you feel unsafe. Yeah, it was the show I was on before lockdown. Yeah. Literally, it was like March 11th, and I was kind mm. of telling my coworkers, you might want to buy extra groceries. And they're like, what? No, it won't be that bad. I'm like, you know what? It won't kill you to have extra pet food in the house. And then when they pull the plug, everyone's like, oh, my God, you called it. I'm like, I watched the news. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was one of the people in talks with my union about how to keep things safe. And like, where did we see pitfalls? Yeah. When you're in a workroom, everyone shares the iron. Yeah. So we talked about like, let's treat the workroom like a gym. When you leave a piece of equipment, you wipe it down. And the next person who comes in wipes it down before they use it. Or like, we're going to need a lot more thread. Maybe we shouldn't share thread anymore because it was all new territory. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a hard grasp on the science right away. So when I came back to that show, I had assumed Mm -hmm. everybody had discussed what we needed to discuss. Things were changed. Because my workstation in particular was like a pass-through. And I thought, oh, I'm going to come back and they will have moved my workstation to a more secluded corner. Nope, still a pass-through. I'm like, oh, guys. And then just the big thing now is you can't eat on set. You cannot be unmasked on a set where there's going to be actors without masks. Yeah. People were just eating left and right. My supervisor took pity on me and gave me an upstairs dressing room to sew out of because she's like, you're freaking out. Let me get you someplace safe. You need a panic room. Yeah. I really was freaking out because, again, my life is not worth hemming some fucking pants. Mm. That is not what I want on my tombstone. No. Go out doing something badass like wiping out on roller derby. (laughs) But coming down the stairs, people are sitting on the stairs eating. And I'm like, great. Now I have to walk through your spit. And I had been alerting them the entire time, like, this isn't safe. This goes against protocols. This isn't working. (laughs) The designer dragged me into a fitting with an actor who wasn't wearing a mask. I'm not supposed to even be near him. No. That kind of shit. After nine days, I was like, peace out. I can't be here. Uh, I respect you so much. You laid it down. You tried to work things out with them, bringing up the most important precautions. And then instead of the protection you were deserving of, your coworkers were like apes grooming each other and <laughs> asking if you want some fleas. <laughs> There's definitely this attitude and it starts at the top, right? So if mm-hmm. you don't have a designer who cares about those things, it kind of echoes down. But there's this idea if you're super precautious, like they're crazy, mm-hmm. whatever their level of precaution is, your coworkers, you have to respect that. If someone's like, oh my God, I really need you six feet away from me. You have to respect yeah. that. You know, I mean, you would respect anything else they would tell you like, hey, let's not talk about this topic. It triggers me. You'd respect mm. that. <laughs> so this idea of like, oh, well, these protocols aren't important because I don't think they're important. No, you have to think yeah. they're important because someone else does. Yeah, it is so selfish. Yeah. Aside from medically necessary, it's also just so selfish. Like you said, if somebody has a strong personal preference, That's usually an HR thing. Like, yeah, you respect that. Right. And I was very vocal when I left that show. I wrote letters to my union, to IOPC, to SAG, because their actors were being put at risk. Yeah. I felt like I needed to speak up and be visual about it 
so that other people felt it was okay to speak up. You're a team leader, Augusta. I do what I can. I don't know that I would have been this vocal if I was just starting out. Yeah. It's important for me to use my age and how long I've been doing this Mm -hmm. to protect those people who don't feel like they can speak out because they're afraid they're never going to get hired again. I'm on the other end of that rainbow going, oh, girl, if I had a nickel for every time somebody was like, you're never going to carry clothes in this town again. Mm -hmm. You have to question why people would ever say that to you in the first place. Just dangling that threat of employment in your future. And it's so not true. You end up just finding the people you click with and working with them a lot. Right. I got fired off a show once. I had a screaming match with the designer. I had just had it. I was the only set customer for five leads, all the day players, all the background, the dead body that needed to be bloodied. Like, I never got any relief. I was exhausted. And the actress wanted to wear a certain sweater, left a message on the designer's phone because she didn't pick up. We're relighting. You have 45 minutes to get up here and change it. Oh, no. She didn't come up. Evidently, she didn't hear the message. They came up and started screaming at me, and I was like, I had had it. And I screamed back. Mm-hmm. She storms off the trailer. I turn to my coworker. I'm like, well, it was nice working with you. And he's like, you're not going to fire you. I'm like, just you watch. I come back at the end of the day. And these are people who never stayed past the crap of 4.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> he's like, they're still here. And I'm like, I told you they're going to fire me. Yeah. I wasn't afraid of it. It was just more Mm. of a drag than anything. This wasn't ever working out between me and this production. I probably should have left earlier. You know what Mm. I mean? I should have listened to my little voice and said, just go get another job. You don't need this. But no, I was (laughs) trying to stick it out. Brave little trooper. And she fires me. I kid you not, she gets fired like two weeks later. Um, And I'm like, maybe it wasn't me. (laughs) Oh, man. This sounds like a satisfying breakup. (laughs) They started canceling plans, and you see where it's going. There's some holiday coming up, Christmas, Valentine's. So you know they're jumping ship before then. (laughs) They break up with you, and everything falls apart when you leave. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. What's funny is, I mean, there's still a little trauma attached to being fired, right? This didn't sound fun. It was a difficult show. Yeah. And I got home. I looked at David and I'm like, I got fired and I burst into tears. Like, I didn't cry at work. I was more pissed off. Now I got to change the out time in my time card and load up my kids at 11 o'clock at night. They never fire you in the afternoon. (laughs) They always wait to the end of the day. Get the last drop out of you. (laughs) And David reminds me that the original director of Gone with the Wind got fired. (laughs) They brought in a new director. They were both very fine directors. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it just didn't work out. And I was like, oh, you're right. I'm good at what I do. It just didn't work out. (laughs) And then proceeded to work with, I think my next show after that was the TV show Chuck. And Mm -hmm. I work with that designer all the time. Yeah. Whenever I don't listen to that little voice, I suffer the hardest from it. Yeah. You've got to pull the soapbox out of your heart and step on it (laughs) and get loud. Yeah. I struggle with that where I'm like, "Uh, is this really a good situation for you? Are you just being Mm -hmm. a pussy? I've had designers where I'm like, oh, I got to go. Right. Left a burning baby on the sidewalk. I got to go rescue it. <laughs> yeah. We got to cover it in dawn real quick. <laughs> got to get that greasy sit off of it. <laughs> yeah, the ash-laden baby. <laughs> but in your case, it was a matter of life and death. I mean, we're apt to exaggerate in conversation, but you're literally talking about exposure to a contagion. Yeah, for sure. And also, I have friends who have had COVID and they're still suffering from side effects. Yeah. You know, friends who are in the long haul. And I remember telling the COVID, all shows now have a special COVID producer. (laughs) The credentials are dubious at best. Yeah. Like, how are you a specialty COVID producer? I think it's one of those, like, they take an hour and a half online course. 
Oh, so yeah. that's comforting. COVID immunity college. COVID <laughs> immunity college. There we go. But I remember telling him on that show, um, so I came here without COVID. I would like to leave here without COVID. <laughs> Good plan. Yeah, right. And then I did get a show after that. And that was crazy safe. Well, that's what I've been on since September. In fact, that's just wrapping up this week. And good. there were a couple of bumps where I was like, I don't feel good about that. Or, yeah. hey, after a fitting, you got to steam their clothes before they come to me or let it sit overnight. Yeah. I was yeah. kind of freaked out. This show is wrapping up and I'm going to move on to a new show, right? I have to job hunt. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, is the show I'm moving on to going to be as safe as this? Because now I have a very high standard. And yes. damn, if I didn't get a phone call this week, hey, why don't you come play on this show? And it was on the same mm-hmm. lot. Walked across the lot, met everybody ah. there, sussed out the situation. I'm like, this is great. I'm Yay. in. So I'll be safe for at least a few more weeks. Oh, I'm so glad, Augusta. Even though you're the cutest canary with <laughs> the dazzled yellow canary <laughs> I don't want you thrown in the mine. Me neither. It's weird that film, TV, and film employees got labeled essential workers. Mm-hmm. Really? It's essential that we have new TV content? Mm. <laughs> Let's not pretend. The only reason they keep us safe is they can't kill the actors. <laughs> Our safety is wrapped into the actor's safety because otherwise no one would care. I hate so much that you're 100% right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And honestly, would I have gone back to work if I was also afraid, like, oh, shit, what if no one ever calls me again? Yeah. The same dangling threat. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm in a union, technically I'm a freelancer. You know, I'm hustled mm-hmm. from show to show. There's mm-hmm. no guarantee of work. Yeah, we're just all freeform amoebas. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you're in a good next step. Me too. I honestly felt like that's aren't going to take this shit seriously until there's an outbreak. And then they're going to really ramp it up and act like now is the time instead of months ago. Well, here's the thing. They're not really mm-hmm. all that public about the outbreaks when they happen. The lot I'm working on, mm-hmm. four out of the six shows on the lot had outbreaks. My yeah. show did not. I think we had maybe one positive case the entire time we were working. Oy. Literally other shows, oh, they've got 20 positive cases. And it's like, I was kind of upset that the lot wasn't forward about that. Yeah. Because here's why. Let's say yeah. I have a friend on that show and, you know, I'm walking around the lot on a break and I go visit them. This idea course, that yeah. we're completely bubbled off, I'm like, no, that's not how lots work. No. <laughs> we're all parking in the same parking garage. I kind of want to know if the mm-hmm. show on the stage next to me where everybody's outside smoking on their breaks, if I've got to avoid those people. Yeah, this is not a secret that they should have the privilege of keeping. It's not Fight Club. If everybody was in Fight Club, you wouldn't get punched in the face unless you joined Fight Club. But this is a mass outbreak. Right. When I left that other show, they had one positive outbreak the first week, and the second week they had another one. And they weren't even going to tell anyone about the second one because it was the second AD. And they're like, oh, <laughs> shit. Well, like, you're a seamstress. You're not even near set. Oh, you mean <laughs> when they called me to set last night to sew something? Oh, my God. That the actor was already wearing, like, I had to stitch it on the actor. <laughs> and I'm like, it can't be your decision whether you think I'm safe. It has to be my decision whether I think I'm safe. <laughs> Yeah. You mean like when I stood next to the second AD? You know, when we ran into each other on the way to work and talked right in front of right. each other? <laughs> so what about the elevators? Come on. I swear to God, walking up the stairs in the parking garage, on the second floor, there was a pile of masks, <laughs> those blue disposable masks. And I'm like, this is a dude who parks in the same spot every day. 
and is so pissed off he has to wear his little mask that when he gets up to his car, he just chucks it on the ground. Mm. <laughs> I'm mad I have to wear this mask. Me. I've seen some spite piles, too. There are spite piles all around. You know, there's that phrase, the good Lord doesn't give you more than you can handle. Okay, I haven't met that Lord yet, but yeah. If you can't handle six inches of fabric on your face, I believe the good Lord called you a pussy. Ah, uh, there you go. You get the shitty font. <laughs> you get comic sans, you asshole. Uh, it really uh, is the used condom in the corner now. If you take a walk in your neighborhood, <laughs> dirty used mask. It's the new Coney Island whitefish. <laughs> a friend of mine didn't know what that meant, and she looked it up and went, oh my God. Why did I look that up? I'm like, I don't know. Just in the context of this, I imagine Siemens involved. Yep. I'm, I'm living it up in my mind. That's enough for me. <laughs> when I worked in a medical building, I got on the elevator one time, and I don't know how this mistake happened, but there was a giant bag of used medical supplies in the elevator <laughs> with blood in it. Oh, <laughs> hell no. How disgruntled was that <laughs> custodian? This is an elevator used by patients, and the pile was as big as me. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was very much like, oh, uh, which floor giant pile of used medical supplies three where the dentists are oh me too what a drag huh put a little bellhop cap on it menswear first floor clock stock bagels and locks everybody off i want a reason to own a building that has an elevator just so i can have a sassy elevator operator Ooh, we all need it we don't know we need it we do i want a really nosy one Knows all the tea. Knows all the tea, but also makes up shit about people. Yeah. So outrageous. You'd be like, that's not true. <laughs> you know, their mother is an Iranian princess. What? That's not right. <laughs> you know, her nickname is Coney Island Whitefish. <laughs> she likes it when you call her that. <laughs> you should try that. Your job interview. <laughs> yeah. That just reminded me. Didn't you have very little time to come up with two adult shrimp costumes? Two days. <laughs> I was working on the TV show Bunk, the kids show on Disney. Oh, and okay. I normally work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And the designer calls me Monday night and says, you got to come in on Tuesday. We're building shrimp and hung up the phone. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I get in the next day. And we had this big conference table we used for building costumes. And mm -hmm. it was covered in like pink and peach colored tool and felt and pipe cleaners. <laughs> And she's like, they want these shrimp costumes. <laughs> we need two of them. They have to look like the kids built them, but not really. No one ever really wants that. No. Writers will say that. And I'm like, you want it to look a little nicer than that. Like science projects in third grade. Please, yeah. please get them some help. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I'm there and the head seamstress is there and we're just staring at all the stuff. And the head seamstress blurs out, I'll take the heads. And I'm like... I got a really good idea on the tails and I'll do the claw mittens and I'll do those weird little legs in between. I could cut foam, cover it with the fabric and then just stitch down the center and that'll make the joints on those weird little legs. And yeah, we had two days before they went on camera. Oh, your it life does. is so interesting. I have to say that most writers, I just want to punch in the face for various reasons. Yeah. And the joke was in the script, one of the actors says, I'm afraid of shrimp. And then, surprise, at the end, two of the other characters come dressed as giant shrimp. Haha. Ha. It's funny he's afraid of shrimp. They're so tiny. Except when you see a six-foot shrimp, they're terrifying. Uh, so the joke didn't quite. work at all. <laughs> the only reason I want to punch writers in the face is there seems to be this disconnect of like, yeah, you can write it on the page, but there are real-world consequences to making that happen. Yeah. Like, they wanted mascot suits for two of the littlest kids. Mm. And, you know, they're about five grand a piece to have made. 
And they're like, wow, we didn't know that. And I'm like, do you see a lot of mascots worn by children? Right. Like when you go to football games, are the mascots children on the inside? No. Daddy gets the CBS Halloween makeup and <laughs> they smear it on their face. That's the extent of a little LIL apostrophe sports fan. They don't wear <laughs> mascot costumes. Right. And it's just that thing of like, maybe ask that first. Yeah. Like, hey, what's involved in making this happen? And producers don't hold them responsible. It's just that thing of like, interesting. maybe if we all talk together, we could solve yes. the problem without me putting in 14-hour days. <laughs> God, they wield so much power. The writers, it unfolds from what they write. All the expenses unfold. I also have an issue with, okay, the kids show notwithstanding. I have yet to work on a show that didn't have a sex worker written in it yeah. by dudes who have never talked to a sex worker. Oy. It's like all the preconceived notions people have about sex workers are because of TV writers. Yeah. So I'm guessing you have personally seen this a lot with the procedural shows you've worked on. Less Disney, more crime procedural. Yeah. It makes me angry because it's shitty. These guys yeah. have never talked to a stripper. So why do you think you can write them? You don't know who they oh. are. You think you can write one because you saw one on TV before? Right. Written by another dude who didn't <laughs> talk to any sex workers who wrote a scene because he saw one on TV? Yeah. It's just ugly and gross. Truly. I had a bachelor party once. I know how your mind works. <laughs> yeah, right? It just highlights why we need a lot more representation in writers' rooms than just yeah. white dudes. I remember one. This was on the Disney show. Oh, no. I didn't hear this firsthand because I probably would have lost my fucking shit. But the other <laughs> customer comes to me and she's upset. And I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, the writers are in the craft service room talking about like some strip club they went to and they didn't even tip the strippers. Oh, hell no. I'm so glad I didn't hear that. I would be fired because I would be losing my shit on them. I want to go there myself and pull them by the collar. <laughs> That's mm. disgusting. That and because they think they're superior? Yeah. Because you're writing fart jokes on a kid's show? Your work is superior <laughs> than a stripper's? I don't know about that. You're exposed to the same quality cocaine. You're not better because you write shrimp jokes. To be honest, who would I rather hang out with? Strippers, <laughs> not white dude writers. That's for sure. When I read copy for mm -hmm. voiceover spots, I run into a lot typically with sterile, cold pharmaceutical ads and such where I know whoever wrote it didn't say it out loud. Right. It's amazing how many tongue twisters and unpleasant vocalizations will come up when you read something that the writer never even said out into the air. <laughs> Nobody said these words. Right. This is an oops all berries <laughs> copy. Like it's oops all tongue twisters. Human can't say this. It's oops all side effects no one wants to think about. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you find it weird that they advertise pharmaceuticals? Yeah. You need it, you get it. Why should we have yeah. it as an elective product? Like people are really going into their doctor saying, hey, I saw this on TV. You didn't prescribe it for my condition, but... Right. You know, I don't have any side effects when exposed to real piverin, so I thought I'd take a jab. <laughs> I mean, that woman had such light in her eyes watching her grandchildren unwrap presents, and I want that spark. <laughs> Give me that. Because your doctor doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> It's all gossip. Like, I heard this medication will be great for you. Again, we're back to, did Willite tell you Willite was good for clothes? Yeah. <laughs> it was the bellhop. It was Biohazard Bellhop. <laughs> Premiering this month on Adult Swim. It would. <laughs> your shop talk is so interesting. If you're just talking about your work day, 
if someone was to overhear you say like, yeah, man, those prawn legs got me. (laughs) And Sharon has a shellfish allergy, but we got her head to toe king prawn. (laughs) What? what? It's funny because lately I've been doing a lot of shows where I'm just doing alterations, Mm -hmm. which is important to a show. But it's also that thing where it's really hard to post on Instagram. Like, you don't understand when the cheap suit from Amazon came in, it looked like a garbage bag. And now it fits perfectly. (laughs) You don't really post fitting photos. You don't really get to do the before and after. You just have that in your head. You're like, no, really, this looked terrible before I got to it. Uh, This looked like the dress on the Nicole Kidman wax sculpture at Madame Poussin. (laughs) That's how shitty this dress was. (laughs) The fabric wraparound. Yes, you are the unsung heroes. You're doing the ninja work, going in there, and nobody sees your handicraft. Nope. It's the bulk of a lot of work being a seamstress. There's a resurgence of workrooms, building mm-hmm. from scratch coming in because of Marvel and the Star Wars franchise, which is awesome. I've done a mm-hmm. little bit of that work. You're kind of back to it there because you are leading the resistance. <laughs> yeah, right. I am the rebel. But a lot of TV shows, it's just doing alterations. And then when you do get something kooky to build, you get two days. Mm. So... I always say, like, a lot of what I do is somewhere between the alterationist at a dry cleaner and club kids sewing. <laughs> the happy middle where that meets. Yeah, where it's like two in the afternoon and you're going to make a new outfit for 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> we need to turn this hoop top out for the club tonight. Hey, listen, I have a couple of what I call hour dresses. <laughs> it's just like, I know what I'm going to wear tonight. Zip, zip. I have a dress. Easier than a mascot. <laughs> Weird about mascot costumes is a lot of people who make them have never worn that kind of thing, so they don't understand how it really interacts with the human body. And because I've done burlesque and I've had to build weird shit and I'm a dancer, (laughs) I have a really intimate knowledge of like, well, yes, you can make it like that, but then you can't wear it like that. Good point. No, they can't actually see out of it. (laughs) How about if we make it with a separate panel in the back so we can open that up so they can get some fresh air in between takes? That kind of thing. How are they going to go to the bathroom? Do they have to get out of it completely? You have the foresight. You've explained every Halloween situation I've ever had. (laughs) The night of Halloween. Oh, shit. I can't have a wallet. I can't breathe. I can't move. And I definitely can't pee. Can I tell you that I was the Halloween person who was, especially when I lived back east, like, okay, I need to pick a character that I can make a character coat Mm -hmm. so I can stay warm but still be in character and the matching handbag. Oh, so wise. So one year, me and my boyfriend at the time, we did the professional. Yes. We went as Leon and I went as Natalie Portman. Right. So in lieu of a handbag, I had a fake plant. That's where my lipstick and my wallet went. And honestly, so cool. nobody knew who I was without the plant. The plant is what sold it. Yes. That's so cute. It's otherwise, really... I just look like some 90s chick, you know? <laughs> yeah, we like her too, but we don't know who she's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. That's a vast improvement on the little trick-or-treating kid with the Jansport coat over their <laughs> Cinderella dress. Poor kid. I was that kid, and I cried all the time about it. I'm like, I don't want to put my coat on. <sighs> If you were a mom and you had trick-or-treating back east, it's better to buy a second dress to go over the coat. You know what I mean? Or get all the long underwears underneath. Yeah. If Halloween's important to your kid, it's super important to your kid. (laughs) You can probably still wear your costume shoes from trick-or-treating. Yep. Size five or a big kid's three. Yeah, big kid's three. (laughs) Which you laugh at, but my sneakers are way cheaper. I'm laughing out of jealousy. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) The hard part about being a size five, five and a half is some shoe companies don't make below a six. Yeah. Irregular choice with their like little unicorn wedgies. They don't make Mm -hmm. below a six. So I'm like, I would have so many of your shoes if you made them for children. (laughs) 
You're so inconsiderate not making adult shoes for children like mine. <laughs> and I can't be the only one out there with tiny feet. No, there's plenty. Maybe there's some kind of Asian market that sells yes. smaller sizes. As the producer, they kind of have to involve some prejudice in their releases. Like, well, what community are we not going to serve? The joke is I can buy children's shoes and I can buy stripper shoes. That's it. Yeah, because stripper <laughs> shoes come small. Nothing in the middle. You're <laughs> either getting stripper shoes or kids' shoes or <laughs> professional tailoring or giving an hour to put some pleather <laughs> together for like a shrimp. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get going soon, Augusta. But I am so glad to talk to you. Love any party. Sister. You're so classy. Oh. I just need some class, you know. <laughs> Are you involved in Burley at all right now through Zoom or private? Right now I tell people I'm semi retired. I don't know yeah. when we come out of this that I will be performing much, probably more emceeing here and yeah. there. I really want to go back to producing because that's mm-hmm. the thing that I miss the most. And yeah. I've never had the luxury of being able to produce something that I didn't also have to be in. Yeah. Although one of my dancers was like, yeah, when are you going to produce again? And I'm like, okay, so here's when. I refuse to drop another flyer for as long as I live. Oh, God. Just doing some drop-offs. Fucking take all goddamn day with that yes. chair. Driving around Hollywood. <sighs> And I said, and I can't lose my shirt. If you can guarantee me those two things, I'll go back to producing in a heartbeat. And he was like, that's a tall order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See how losing my shirt didn't seem important to you once we were doing shows, but now that I'm putting my foot down. All right. No shirt. No children's <laughs> shoes, no service. <laughs> there we go. Get out on the corner with the Coney Island, what was it? <laughs> Coney Island whitefish. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I hope you have a splendid Super Bowl Sunday. I truly believe Super Bowl Sunday has always been nerd's time to shine. Like, we take the streets, but <laughs> yeah, nowadays... Can I tell you, once yeah. on a Super Bowl Sunday, I took my boyfriend at the time to high key, and the look oh, wow. of the <laughs> The look of jealousy in all the women's eyes that I had my boyfriend there willingly, not begrudgingly. Yeah. He was having a good time, too. I'm burning with rage over strippers not getting tipped and you going to high tea. <laughs> it's the way to go. Um, it's usually our purge day, but right. nobody's out in the streets now. No, true that. Well, it would be a great day to drop off flyers, though. <laughs> right? Just please never again. Would it kill a nightclub to do some advertising? That's all I'm asking. Oh. Would it kill yeah. a club to admit that they're a business and they need to advertise oh. their business. Especially you're if you're waiting. having live performance that no one knows oh, about because you didn't advertise. You're right. They don't do shit for the booked act. No. What? You should be lucky to have a space to perform in. <laughs> My big dream yeah. is to someday own a performance space with a decent green room. Oh, I always yeah. say you can tell what the club thinks about the clientele by the state of their bathrooms. And yes, always. What the club thinks about the performers by the state of the green room. Yeah. yeah. Right? So my dream, which probably won't happen until I retire, so I can give it my full attention, I want to own a performance space because there's not a lot of spaces that are geared towards performance. There are clubs that deal with bands that we burlesque performers perform at, but the stages are shitty, the lighting's shitty, and the sight lines are shitty. (laughs) You know what I mean? How about where everyone in the room can see... A place where we can grow our art. Yes. A place where our audience doesn't feel like they're going to wake up and see the jigsaw puppet. Oh, you know, someplace nice. Yeah. So this green room, from zero to the 90s, how much cigarette smoke is saturated in the walls here? Oh, God. Say hi to David for me. I haven't talked to him in a while either, and I hope you're both well. We are. And I hope you're hanging in there, kid. Oh, yeah. I am not washing those bras. I think I'm doing pretty well. I'm trying. <laughs>
All right. I will talk to you later then. Great, Augusta. So nice to talk to you. Ciao, ciao. All right. Stay safe. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Today's episode was brought to you by Greasy Ducks, COVID Immunity College, and Biohazard Bellhop, premiering this month on Adult Swim. Please stay on the line for our next episode with Jordan Morris. Thank you.